Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that it is by your grace that we're able to sing a song like that. And all we have to give is our hallelujah. You deserve all the praise. And now we ask your blessing upon our time in the word, and we will give you the thanks for what you do in our hearts through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we open God's word, this is the time. Uh, I've chosen to ask Tom Taylor and his wife, Chris, to come up, and they're going to share their testimony of what has happened in their lives. And now, uh, as he has been recovering from that serious accident, and so Tom, Chris, they... Oh, hold on here. You okay? Okay. Thank you, Tom. And this is for you. And we'll we'll give you the red one. Is the white one on? Okay. Good morning, Jonestown. Well, first, I'd like to thank God for what he's done for me. And I can tell you that God is alive and he is well. And he's on the job. And uh, my wife wants to tell you a thank you, too. And she's got uh, a card out on the bulletin board. But I'm going to let you uh, hear what she has to say a second. I'd like to thank everybody for the prayers and the cards we received in the mail and the meals that we've received. And it was very much appreciated. Like my wife because I do have a little bit of a vision problem right now. And the doctor told me, he said, I'm going to be seeing two for a while. And that would be great to see two Jesuses, believe me. But he insists on driving sometimes. <laughs> so she's going to read from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And that's, that's what I was standing on when this happened. When we get up in the morning, my wife and I, we have prayer. And I ask God to protect us and keep us in our travels and everything that we do. So I'm going to let her read that to you once. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. July 21st, I was at uh, our auction hall that we have. And I came in and I sat down at a table that we have there. And I was doing some paperwork. And there were guys there to pick some things up. And uh, I had no idea that he had been drinking, this guy. I didn't even get to talk to him. And he came in a U-Haul truck. I heard the crash. I looked up, and the truck was on top of me. The truck literally run over me. And it tore my face off. 
when the trauma team got there and the EMTs, they thought that I was dead. I crawled out from underneath the truck and I know that it was the grace of God that he gave me the strength to get up. I walked to the bathroom, washed my hands off, and when I looked when I looked in the mirror, I had no face and I was bleeding profusely. I came out of the bathroom and told them to call 911 and they had already done it and the EMTs got me, put me on the lifeline. They took me to Hershey. Six trauma doctors were there waiting for me. It took them four hours to pick the glass out of my face and believe me, right now, I look terrific, okay, compared to what I did look. And they sewed my face back together. 300, what? 375 stitches. And they were sewing on the inside. The doctor showed me with his hands. He said, look, he said, I'm sewing this on this side. And then I sew this side and pull it together, your face. And so that was four hours. And I want to tell you this. Those doctors were fantastic. And I know God gave them to us and gave them to me. And um, there was a guy that came and appeared through all this. And he's sitting with us right here, Pastor Larry. And... I want to tell you, Pastor Larry is a phenomenal Christian man, and he was there for my wife and me, and it was unbelievable. And so I was in the hospital over a week, and on a Thursday they came, the doctors, and they told me they were going to rebuild my face. And unbelievably, it wasn't just the doctors, they had two robots. And I mean, literally had two robots and the doctor showed me on his computer how it worked. And the robots have like telescopic eyes. And he showed me, he said, listen, the bones that are in your nose that we're going to rebuild and so forth. He said, I really can't see him. But he said, let me show you what the robots can do. And he took his computer and showed me and it blew everything up. And the doctor guided the robots hands. And they put my face back together. <laughs> put my face back together. They were worried about my eye. I can, and I thank God for it, see out of both my eyes. And this one's starting to get much better. Um, they had to rebuild my eye sockets, my cheekbone, my nose, and they had to put it all back together. And I can tell you, that that was a six and a half hour operation. It was unbelievable. And God saw me through it. And I want to tell you what Jonestown Church did. They prayed for me. They sent me cards. They sent me money in the mail. 
They showed me that love that Dale was talking about today, that bright and shining love that Jesus gives us. And that's what got me through it. I do want to tell you that when my wife come to see me, what happened? I'm going to let her tell you who greeted her. When I got the phone call, which usually every day I go to the auction with him and, and work with him, that day I decided to stay home. And um, I was there with my, my eight-year-old granddaughter. And when I got the phone call, the guy was hysterical on the phone, and all he could tell me was, Tom has a hole in his face. Yes. So I was, of course, hysterical. So I called my daughter. She had her husband, which was nearby, come and pick me up, take me and drop me off at Hershey Med. When I got there and told them who I was looking for, she said, well, have a seat. They'll be out with you in a minute. Next thing I know, a chaplain came and got me and took me into a room. And Again, I was hysterical, and they told me that they needed to talk to me. Well, I, of course, thought the worst. And here, whenever um, he sat down and talked to me, he said that Tom was in a full-body CT scan, and as soon as he was done, they would clean him up, and they would take me back to see him. So I was not prepared for the sight that I saw when I walked in the trauma room. And he was not cleaned up, and it was a very frightening experience. But Tom was laying there talking to the doctors that were picking at his face and helping him be stable. So, and I just want to thank Pastor Larry for being there. I called him on my way to the hospital. I was hysterical, and he got there as soon as he could. And again, I'd like to thank you all for your prayers and everything along the way. I got a lot of cards that people sent me, but I just want to share with you how God works. A friend of ours, he's a federal agent, and uh, he's a Christian, and we need more of them, but he came to visit me, and I'm going to let Chris read this to you. It was from his eight-year-old daughter. She made it and gave it to me and was praying for me. Fantastic, I'll tell you. The encouragement, those cards and the prayers. and I mean, I just cannot tell you how good God is. Oh, and I gave this little girl a while back an old silver dollar. So she talks about it in here. Dear Mr. Taylor, thank you so much for the silver dollar. It is so cool to think that Wyatt Earp might have held the silver dollar. <laughs> I am sorry for what happened to your face and nose. I hope that your face feels better soon. Sincerely, Ella Kay. So I want to thank you all for praying for me and encourage me to get through this. Thank you very much. And don't forget, Pastor Larry is a phenomenal Christian man and a shepherd of this church. He was there through all this for me. Thank you.
Thank you, Tom and Chris. What a powerful testimony. And uh, there's an example of God's mercy and grace. And God had more work for Tom and Chris to do. And that's why he's here. Let's pray again. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the miracle you performed in sparing Tom's life. Thank you for restoring him. We pray that you would continue the healing. And Father, may he continue to have that vibrant testimony, Lord. And Father, may many come to Christ because of what he is going to share about your grace and your protective hand over him. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Tom and Chris and, Lord, their faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And now we pray that you would encourage us through your word once again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians together here. Chapter 2, we continue our series in this tremendous letter to the church at Colossae. And we're going to pick it up at verse 13, where we left off. We've finished up to 12, and now we're at verse 13. And so at this point, again, Jesus uh, Christ is at the center of everything the Apostle Paul is writing about. He wants the church, which is being persecuted, to fix their eyes on Christ and who he is and what he has done for them. Because of the false teaching that was seeping into the church, the lies, the, the error of doctrine, and all these things were coming into the church, and people were saying, the Gnostics were saying, Jesus wasn't uh, you know, in, in real flesh. He didn't come in, in the fleshly body because flesh is sin, and they would say that all material things is evil, and only spirit is good. And so there was all kinds of mixed up teaching that was going on. And so here again, the uh, Apostle Paul uh, is focusing on Christ being raised from the dead. And uh, just, um, I think, to set up verse 13, let's just read 9 through 12 again. 9 through 12. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Key key phrase there because Paul's going to say that again. Verse 11. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Spiritual circumcision, which means that word circumcision, when God required the Israelites to be circumcised, the males there. The whole purpose was to let the world know that these people were his chosen people and set apart to be holy. So circumcision represented being set apart unto God and being being belonging to him. And so so were we spiritually circumcised. But he says we were circumcised without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. And by the way, that 
that word that when he's speaking baptism there, he's not speaking about water baptism, which we're going to do this afternoon. He's talking about the spiritual baptism that the Apostle Paul has continued to, to write about in his letters. It's the spiritual baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and indwells you at the moment of conversion. When you and I were saved, a baptism took place. It was a spiritual baptism where the Holy Spirit came into your heart and life and he, he baptized you spiritually in Christ. You were buried spiritually with Christ and then you were raised spiritually unto new life with Christ. So just to understand that in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So here we see where Paul is going with this. And then now we pick it up at verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. The King James Version reads it this way, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. King James Version uses the word quicken, but that means to come alive. And so here the Apostle Paul is reminding the believer and reminding us this morning here that you and I were dead. We were dead in our trespasses. Those who are, are believers today have been baptized in Christ and we are saved. We've been born again through our faith in him. Because of that, we, we understand that we, we were once completely dead spiritually. He's reminding them that, remember, you were dead. There's nothing you could do to to bring yourself spiritual life. You know, some people think that they can do it through their works, through, uh, good works and going to church and giving money to the, to the poor and the needy. And they have all kinds of ideas on, on how they think that they're going to be accepted by God. But, of course, we know the scriptures tell us for all have sinned, right? And come short of the glory of God. That's each and every one of us. So you and I were dead in our sin. No life in us. And suddenly something happened to you and me when we came to the cross and met Jesus. When someone gave us that glorious gospel message, you and I responded to that by faith. And trusted him. And at that moment, what took place? Verse 13. He made you alive together. He made you alive together with him. No longer were we dead in our sins, but we come alive spiritually that we have a, a new living spirit within us that will live with Christ for all of eternity. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll see a parallel passage here. So 
Go back to Ephesians. It's two books back from Colossians. But Ephesians 2, pick it up at verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, there it is again, when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul is saying the same thing to the church in Ephesus. He's reminding them it was because God was rich in mercy, verse 4, and because of his great love with which he loved us. Oh, how you and I have been loved by God. You and I would not be sitting here in this church were it not for the love of God. We would be lost, still lost out there, headed for hell. But God, being rich in mercy, sent his son so that through, though we were dead, through Christ's death and resurrection, verse 5, the rest of verse 5, made us alive together with Christ, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know, notice it says you were raised up and were seated with him? How's that possible? You're still here. We're not in heaven yet. Well, spiritually speaking, it's as if you are in heaven with Jesus now. Because spiritually, you have been raised from the dead. And now you are seated with Christ spiritually with him in the heavens. We can't understand this or comprehend exactly what he's saying. But this is your position. He's talking about our position now in Christ. Once we've been raised from the dead, we, sit, we are uh, resurrected and we become uh, uh, associated and, and connected to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity because of his resurrection. And for this purpose, verse 7, in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his, what's the next word? Grace surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, God's intent, God the Father, intention for you and for me is that he's going to put us on display for all of eternity with his son. You and I are going to reign with him. We're going to reign with Christ when he comes to earth and then beyond that. And we are, we are considered the bride of Christ and for all of eternity, we will put on, be put on display. Why? Because we are going to continually show for all of eternity that we are there by the grace of God. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we are alive and we belong to Christ. And we have been saved by grace through faith. So turn back with me to Colossians Chapter 2, we wanted to see that, but I love this next part of the verse. Here in verse, end of verse 13, he says, He made you alive together with him, having forgiven some of our transgressions. Is that what your translation has? Some of your transgressions? Oh, wait, wait. We must have read that wrong. Having forgiven a few of your transgressions, 
No. What's the word? If you can't take anything else with you today, dear believer, if you're not a believer, understand this. That Jesus forgave you at the cross all your sin. Not just some, but every sin that you've done in the past, every sin you've committed even today, and every sin you're going to commit, it has been forgiven at the cross. Yes, we must seek to live a holy life. That is the purpose, to live a holy life unto God through the help of the Holy Spirit as we walk in the Spirit so that we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. But, oh, dear Christian, perhaps you came this morning and you're so weighed down with the guilt of your past, the guilt of what you've been through, and you carry that with you, and Satan just loves to bring it back up, and he loves to pound you with it, and, and he want, what is he called? He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he's constantly going before God and saying, ah, see, he, he's, your, he's your child. And look what he's done today. Look, he's fallen again. And what we do is we suddenly begin to doubt our salvation. Suddenly we begin to, to live in fear. And we wonder... Even after we've confessed our sin, which we are to do daily, confess our sin, it's hard for us many times to accept God's forgiveness. I don't know how many times I've talked to people, believers, who had that issue. They, they couldn't forgive themselves. So they couldn't believe that God would forgive them of, of, of their, their sins. And especially if they've committed a sin that they're struggling with, uh, a sin that they dealt with and kind of had, had a hold on their life, and suddenly um, they're, they've fallen again by that same sin. And that can put you and I into bondage. Turn, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would, please. Let's go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews Right before James, okay, and right, it's right after Philemon, the book of Philemon. But Hebrews chapter 12. And look what the writer of Hebrews says here to the believers. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and the previous chapter, he mentions all those who were living by faith. Okay? They were living by faith. They were saved by faith. But not only were they saved by faith, but they went on living by faith, which means putting their trust in God no matter what, whether even if it meant death through, through uh, suffering for Christ. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, and they're all in heaven surrounding us, let us also... What does he say next? Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin, there it is, which so easily entangles us or besets us. And what are we to do then? 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, here the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that we as believers will continue to sin. And you may have heard people tell you, well, you've you, you, you got to reach this certain plateau and stay there, and then, then you're saved. But, but you can't be sure of your salvation until you, you're basically living a sinless life. And there are, there are some denominations that teach you can reach sinless perfection in this life. It's not going to happen. Not until we get to heaven do we lose the old sin nature which is in us. And that old nature, as Paul talked about in Romans 7, it's doing battle with our new nature that Christ gave us. And so that's why we have to struggle every day. So we can't expect perfection. And, but this is a reminder that you and I can be beset by sin. We can uh, be encumbered by a sin which so easily entangles us. It's going to happen. But the, the truth to cling to is, but he has forgiven all my sin. All my sin. And therefore, I can run this wraith with, with endurance. And I can lay aside the sin with the help of the Lord Jesus. And I can press on. But what, what do I have to do? Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Fixed on him. My friend, when you and I take our eyes off Christ in our life, and we get wrapped up in all kinds of other things, trying to, uh, you know, uh, make uh, ourselves feel good or or you know, bring happiness, but then we slip up, we, we stop looking at Christ, and then we get into all kinds of trouble. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So turn back with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. And because of time, we are, uh, are going to just finish with these uh, verses 14 and 15, if you look together with me. So he says, having forgiven us all our sins, God has forgiven us all our transgressions. Verse 14. Having canceled out, if you King James Version, it says blotting out. Canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made public, public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. There's that phrase, rulers and authorities. What does it say Jesus did? Through his death on the cross, he and his resurrection, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public display of them, spectacle. Those, those rulers and authorities 
Some think it, he's talking about the Roman authorities or Jewish authorities that crucified Christ. But this is speaking, I believe, of the spiritual rulers and authorities, which is we're talking about Satan and his demonic world. And those rulers and authorities, because that's, this is the term that is used to speak of the invisible realm where Satan and the angels dwell. And these were the ones that were at the cross behind the scenes. Satan was behind the scenes working through the Pharisees, the religious leaders, pushing them to go to Pilate to get Jesus crucified. And then the Romans picked it up and says, okay, we'll, we don't, you know, Pilate says, I don't find any fault in him, but we're, we'll, we'll put him to death to keep you happy. And so on the cross, Jesus went willingly. But it's talking about after Jesus died, Satan never knew what his death was going to do to him. Because through his death and resurrection, Satan lost all his power over you, for, over me, the believer. That you don't have to live in fear. Yes, we, we understand that Satan is powerful. But you and I are in Christ. And therefore, we are, 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 are soldiers of the cross and we do battle spiritually, but we know that the victory can be assured because Jesus won the victory. And what did he do? He displayed to all the, the invisible world after his death and salvation. He displayed to them that I am he. I have died for the sins of the world and now I'm going to be risen from the dead and all of you, the demons that are chained up, ready for judgment, uh, that they, they are going to one day be brought before the great white throne judgment, as are many, many unsaved believers, and they're going to be finally judged. And those who haven't, aren't going to be judged are you and I, the believers and people of faith from the past. We are going to be before our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever, because you and I have been cleansed and forgiven by our sins, and this certificate has, of debt has been removed. Notice verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of death, debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. This certificate of death, uh, it actually was a certificate where uh, it was a, usually a paper or plaque that was made or uh, written out by someone who was owed something by someone else. And so if I owed someone in ancient times, a certificate would be written up of me of what I owed that person. And then I, then that person, if I were the person who owed it, I would sign that paper. And therefore, I'm saying, I owe you. It's like an IOU, the certificate of debt. I owe you to pay you back. But spiritually speaking, in ancient times, this also meant that uh, those who were criminals and prisoners they were judged guilty and they were sentenced to be crucified what was done 
is that the, the, uh, a plaque was taken and written on it by the authorities was the crimes that this, this criminal had made, what he had done. And then they would hang it around the cross, and this is what we believe happened to Jesus. It was hung around the criminal's neck as he walked to his crucifixion and carried the cross. And once he was put up on the cross, at that point, then that plaque was taken off his neck and it was nailed to the top of the cross. So that when people walked by and they saw a criminal, because the criminals lined up the streets many times outside of the city. And so you could walk and just read, what did that criminal do? Remember the two thieves on either side of Jesus? They had their own plaques and the, and so you could walk by and people would mock them. They'd read it and go, oh, that's your crime. <laughs> and they would mock and, and, and laugh at them. And remember, Jesus had a plaque. He had a plaque of the crime that, was, that, was, that the Jews accused him of. Do you remember what it was that they nailed on top of the cross? Jesus, the Nazarene. Pilate wrote, wrote it out. Jesus the Nazarene, what's next? King of the Jews. And remember the Pharisees, Pilate wrote it, put it up there, and the Pharisees looked at it and go, come back to Pilate. You can't put that up there because that's saying he is the king of the Jews. No, you have to put up there, he claims to be the king of the Jews. That's his crime. And Pilate said, what I've written, I've written, it stays. And so there on crucifixion day on top, there was the crime that people looked at and said, it says he's king of the Jews. He's dying because he's king of the Jews, Jesus, the Nazarene. And so, so that was Jesus' crime, and they held that against him. And my friends, as Jesus died there, he died for your sins and mine. And it says here, Paul says, that the certificate of debt of sin that I owed God, he has taken away and removed it from me. In other words, he has pardoned me. He has blotted out my crimes against him, against God. When I was saved, it was, I was cleansed, forgiven, of all my sin. And he took that, as it were, that spiritual certificate of sin, the debt that I owed to God for my sin. And what does he say? And it was nailed, God nailed it to his cross. That's where your sin is, my friends. As you leave here this morning, remember, your sin was laid upon him. And he became your sacrifice so that God took the certificate of sin that you, you should be hanging around your neck and send you to hell. He took that and he forgave you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you. And then he spiritually nailed it to the cross of Christ where Jesus died for your sins and paid the price. And so those crimes were paid for through the blood of the Son of God. My friends, understand 
what Jesus did for you, what God did. And this has all been done for you by grace. Nothing you did, nothing you earned, but you have been saved by grace through faith. Here, I'm envisioning that this is my certificate of death. All my sin is on this page, as it were. And I stand before God, and I say, Lord, I'm guilty. And I am, each one of us is guilty. Here's your sins. The sins you have committed past, present, and future. But you've put your faith in Christ, and you've received him, says, Lord, please save me, forgive me my sin. I believe you are the Son of God. I can't save myself. I give my heart to you. God then took your certificate and mine. What did he do with it? He, he took that to the cross. And there... And there, my friends, my sins hung there. That's where it is. And dear Christian, don't try and take that back and live in fear. And Satan wants you to deceive you and get you to think that, no, 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 your, your sins were, were never nailed to the cross. That certificate, no. You still carry it with you. My friends, you have been set free. Go in the strength of his grace and claim the truth that your sin was nailed to that cross. You were nailed to that cross as Jesus took your place. Let's pray together, shall we? With our heads bowed this morning, dear Christian, have you been battling the guilt in your own life, the guilt of your sin, the guilt that Satan keeps bringing up and putting, throwing it in your face and saying, you're not saved. You weren't forgiven. My dear friend, would you Claim the promises of God that he has forgiven all your sin. And you are righteous in his eyes for all of eternity. That's how much he loved you. And give your guilt right now to him. Say, Father, I give you the guilt. Help me, Lord, I, to understand that that certificate of mine that had my sin on it was nailed to the cross of Christ, your son. Father, help me to leave it there and walk in the newness of life and be able to know, Lord, that I'm a child of the King 
forevermore. Would you make that commitment this morning, Christian? If you're here without Christ, you've never trusted him as Savior. And you can't say that your sins have been nailed to that cross. You need to come to the cross and right now give your heart to Christ. So that you can know that, yes, Jesus did pay the price for you. And he took your sins and nailed them there. And so you could be set free today. If you're ready to accept Christ, you want to trust in him by faith to save you. Would you pray a simple prayer like this with me? Pray it right now, quietly in your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I am sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead. Lord Jesus. And with heads still bowed right now, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now born again spiritually. You're a child of God. Your sins have been forgiven. And now you're going to leave here as a, as a new creation. Old things passed away and you have been forgiven all your sin. Heavenly Father, thank you for any decisions made this morning. Father, thank you for the triumph that was won at Calvary. Through your son. Thank you for so great a sacrifice. And Father, may we be assured in our hearts that Jesus paid it all. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we